Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Everybody, it's time to believe in the Big 12. If you're a Big 12 baller, then this podcast is the place for you. Every week, we dive into the hot topics surrounding historic Big 12 football and basketball. Guest stars, former players, industry experts, conference shakeups, hoops hypotheticals, football fantasies. You name it, we have it. And in the process, we'll look at marquee matchups, roster comparisons, coaching carousels, and analysis of big-time moments. You will literally feel like you're etched into the fabric of the Big 12. From the creation of basketball to history repeating itself on the gridiron, our take on all things Big 12 will have you glued to the edge of your seat. So whether you've got a favorite Big 12 team or are just a fan of the conference, buckle up. It's going to be a wild ride. Welcome to the Believe in the Big 12 podcast, a proud member of the Believe Podcast Network. Welcome to episode number 16 of the Believe in the Big 12 podcast. And on behalf of the entire Believe Podcast Network, before we kick off, as always, I gotta ask, do you believe? And more importantly, for the purposes of this podcast, do you believe in the Big 12? Because the Big 12 is epic right now. We are a lucky bunch who get to and want to Follow such a talent-filled conference like this. And let me tell you, people, there's a lot of talent to go around. And there's a lot of excitement to go around, too. We have basketball squarely in our sights. And March Madness is just around the corner. And guess what that means for our format during college basketball season? In case you're new to the podcast. We are doing away with the ultra-super-massive Big 12 power rankings that we did during the football season. Why? Because you can't even try to establish order in the face of a looming March Madness. I mean, seriously, if you can, call me up. Because I assume you also know the nuclear codes. But seriously, college basketball is simply too crazy. It's too impossible. I mean, case in point, TCU is causing trouble. An Alabama team... A ranked Alabama team almost lost to Vanderbilt, an abysmal Vanderbilt team. I mean, that's just crazy. And right before I started recording this podcast, the Jayhawks put up 102 points. Yeah, 102 points in college basketball. And they did it in the Sunflower Showdown against their biggest in-state rival, Kansas State. I mean, that's big time. To put up 102 points on a rival like that, that's more than some NBA team score, you know, on a night when NBA defenses actually try. And with eight less minutes total than NBA players get to try to score 102 points. I mean, really, really awesome stuff. So, all this to say, we're going to take the games as they come, make observations, make predictions solely based on faith. Okay, and a little statistics and logic. But we're going to embrace the madness. So speaking of madness, let's dive right in. Most teams only have four to five games left before conference tournaments begin. And ESPN's Andy Katz 
released his initial list of one seeds, two seeds, three seeds, and four seeds the other day, a.k.a. the top 16 in March Madness. Obviously, that'll change because madness again. But man, is it exciting as a March Madness fan to see that come out. And Kansas and Baylor, well, they're in the conversation. Right now, Kansas is still slotted as a one seed, and Baylor is right behind them as a two seed and Texas Tech. Which brings me to my first point. Kansas and Baylor and Texas Tech are all top dogs. But Kansas is the top dog. The Big 12 tournament will likely go through them. I mean, for crying out loud, the 102 points. I'm serious. I I can't get off that. That was incredible. Seriously impressive at the college level. And Christian Braun, he could not miss. And that counts for steals, too. If he wanted a basket, he got it. If he wanted to steal the ball, he took it. Everything. But still, like I said, there are three top dogs right now. Texas Tech has shown its worth, its bravado, its machismo, and wormed its way into the who owns the Big 12 conversation. They just beat Texas at Texas in another pressure-filled game where they were playing for their coach, who replaced Chris Beard when he left for rival Texas. And that's beating their ex-coach again after they just beat Texas at home. So although this felt like home at times with how loud Texas Tech fans were, they absolutely balled out for their coach, sealing a victory late, helping their coach show the university they made the right decision. And I'd actually rank them above Baylor now. So if we did a micro-ultra-super-massive Big 12 power rankings... Just make sure you you note the micro in there because we are not about to launch into a regular ultra super massive Big 12 power rankings. We're past that. This is March Madness. Get used to it. Okay. If we did a micro version, we'd have KU number one, Texas Tech number two, and Baylor number three. And the funny thing is out of these three, the Red Raiders have the best defense. Despite all the talk around KU and Baylor being able to turn on the defensive heat. And we all know defense wins championships. Texas Tech looks scrappy in their Super Saturday victory. Their star, Bryson Williams, showed up big and outmuscled Texas in the second half on the way to 17 points and seven snatcheroonies on the glass. Texas looks strong too, though. I'll give them that. But even 20 points from Andrew Brown wasn't enough to slow these Red Raiders down. Now, they only have one less loss than Baylor. So they're really set up to make some noise. They'll play Oklahoma and TCU next, which should be another opportunity for them to round and form as we enter conference tournament play. And here's the thing with Texas. They usually outshoot teams from three, but their overall field goal percentage is lower. That was the situation here. Texas Tech gets quality looks and doesn't rely on jump shots or deep balls. Texas needs to work on that, plus their presence on the glass inside. Because if they get those rebounds, especially on offense, and then they're able to quickly kick it out to a three-point shooter, like I said, that's where their money is because their overall field goal percentage is usually lower. So if they really lean into the glass, Texas also has a chance to make some noise. But like I said, they were no match for Texas Tech this past weekend. So where does that put Baylor? Well, don't sleep on them either because despite the emergence of Texas Tech, Baylor easily took care of a surging TCU team. TCU is not an easy team to beat right now. 
Despite winning by 10, it felt like Baylor was in control on the glass and on the hole. Jeremy Sochan wouldn't let it be any other way. Just like Texas Tech forward Bryson Williams did, Sochan dominated in the paint on the way to 17 points. So it's really going to come down to these two players and who performs better down the stretch to determine who will be the top dog along with Kansas. I know that's a lot pinning it on two players, especially for Baylor, because on top of Sochan, they have, you know, LJ Cryer and Adam Flagler and a lot of just very talented players. But I really do think it's going to come down to Sochan and how he can facilitate the offense. And let me just clarify, don't let the uh, the 10-point score or the 10-point victory fool you. Baylor was consistently up by 15 to 20 points in this one. And why do I make sure to note that? Because Baylor's consistently done that all season while missing a ton of players, like I said. And that's going to really help them in tournament time because every single player on the team has had to step up. Baylor, for crying out loud, in this last game, used only six players while bouncing back from that 10-point loss at number 11 Texas Tech three nights earlier. Five of those players scored in double figures. So now Baylor is 22-5 and and has a team that can really, really spread the wealth and look for an unsung hero to step up and lead them to victory. And let's take a look at Iowa State, too. You can't forget about them because while they're not in top dog conversation, they are in the mix. And ESPN currently has them as a five seed in the March Madness NCAA extravaganza. A.K.A. the Big Dance. The NCAA Tournament. So, why isn't Iowa State ranked, or at least more of a threat, in the Big 12? Well, that's just it. They're 4-9 and nine in the Big 12. That's right. Every single one of their losses are at the hand of Big 12 teams. That's abysmal. When the Big 12 Tournament comes, unless they have some sort of magic button, they're going to be bounced pretty early. But here's the good news. In March Madness, chances are they won't have to play a Big 12 team. And they know how to win out of conference. So that's a big deal right there. And March Madness, we know, is all about chances. This could be a very sneaky March Madness team. They take on West Virginia next. A team that just lost to Kansas and will be looking to bounce back and recover from a pretty uh, difficult loss there. They did get close here and there. They made a game of it sometimes, but Kansas was just too much in the end. And between that and this win over Kansas State, they've maintained their two-game lead in the Big 12 over number 7 Baylor and number 11 Texas Tech, with five games remaining before the conference tournament. And this Kansas team looks a lot different, a heck of a lot different, than the team that got run out of the gym by Kentucky two weeks ago. Sometimes people have a good game. Sometimes people just have a bad game. But that matchup could look totally different come tourney time. Any of these matchups could. That's the amazing thing about this. It could be Iowa State. It could be Kansas State sneaking into the tournament and then getting hot at the right time. It could be any sort of scenario you could dream up that could happen in March Madness. And that's why we love it. But one thing we do know is that Ochai Akbaji of Kansas is a beast. Kansas had a 49-32 rebounding advantage, but committed 15 turnovers. Okay, this is the one thing I want to say. It doesn't matter if Agbaji is a beast if you're turning the ball over, because 
That is how you lose games. Kansas has kind of had a problem with that this season. Even if they out-rebound on the glass, they commit a lot of turnovers that keep the other team in the game. That's what we need to watch out for. You can dominate on the glass, but turnovers will keep you in trouble. But luckily, Ogbaji is also moonlighting as a motivational speaker. And in timeouts, this is what he had to say. Just in timeouts, any huddles we had during the game, I just told the guys to keep their composure. They're going to make their runs. It's a game of runs. They're obviously playing at home. They got the crowd. Just stay in it and keep playing our game. That sounds like a leader of the team to me. Regardless, Kansas enters the final two weeks before the Big 12 tournament in control of its own destiny to earn at least a share of its 20th regular season Big 12 championship. There's still time to clean up the messes that keep the fifth-ranked Jayhawks from winning some of these games even more decisively. And on the West Virginia side, now 14-12, 3-10 in the conference, unfortunately they have lost 10 of their last 11 games. But I will say, in that game against Kansas, their scrap returned. That typical Bob Huggins press Virginia defense that everybody loves to see, and it's just so maddening, came back into the forefront. But that said, it didn't matter too much because the Mountaineers struggled to shoot the basketball. And that is something you have to be able to do. They suffered through a 1-for-14 shooting stretch in the first half, missed numerous layups and short jumpers throughout the game, and shot 28%, 19-of-68 overall. It even had Coach Bob Huggins absolutely resigned to a pitiful mindset. He said, I was thinking about, instead of shooting a layup, telling the guys, just turn around, throw it back out, and let a guy shoot a three. <laughs> uh, that's how you know you're, you're not doing too hot in the paint. At the end of the day, Huggins continued, that probably would be more fruitful for us than having guys continue to miss layups. I've been doing this a long time. I've never seen anything like it. Wow. Talk about roasting your team. So let's hope that motivates West Virginia into kind of, you know, making some shots. That would be good. But like I said, the bright spot was that their defense started to get a little more scrappy. West Virginia's top defender, Gabe Osaboyan, well, he returned from a one-game benching after he picked up three technical fouls in the two previous games, including an ejection. So, obviously, they've got some scrap in them. And less than a minute after he entered the game on Saturday, Asabuyan took a charge on Mitchell Lightfoot. That was a spark for West Virginia, who then kept Kansas from scoring a basket in four minutes. That's right, a four-minute scoring drop after that moment. And, and even then, that fired up the offense a little bit too, despite all the struggles. Sean McNeil hit two three-pointers, and Taz Sherman hit one during a 13-point West Virginia burst that cut the deficit to one point. But the Mountaineers never retook a lead that they only held very early in the game. So all-around disappointing effort for Bob Huggins. But I will say this, Taz Sherman and Sean McNeil, when they get hot, you better watch out for them. So if West Virginia is able to close out the season strong and get into the tournament, they could be a dangerous team to watch for. Then we have Houston, and Houston still looks scary. Their 11-game win streak did get snapped by SMU, but even that was just a two-point victory for the Mustangs, and Houston imposed its will throughout that game. I mean, they easily could have won that. But then things got weird. They lost by 10 to Memphis. 
Now, both SMU and Memphis are the teams right behind them in the current conference standings. So these two losses can mean more than we think, even if SMU and Memphis don't catch up completely. And then Houston barely beat a Wichita State Shockers team that is not the usual Wichita State team that makes noise in March. I repeat, is not. You know, we're used to Wichita State winning 30 games and only losing two. But these Wichita State Shockers, well, they're shocking us in the wrong way. They're just 15 and 11. So is it time to worry about Houston? Short answer is no. They'll play SMU and Memphis one more time each and can reestablish their team chemistry in those games, or at least add to their big game experience, which will be critical since they've been missing depth all season and really need to know how to work situationally with what they have. They've had a lot of practice with that already, but the more the merrier. Oh, and one more thing. They have Fabian White, and that dude is a beast. A man's man. They'll be competitive in any game as long as he's on the floor. And how about BYU? Where did they go? Let's let's go rapid fire here. Let's talk about BYU. Well, they're still a possible tournament team. Short answer is they didn't go anywhere. They likely won't sneak back into the top 25 as the season comes to a close, but sitting at 19-9 and nine is pretty enviable. They just put together a valiant effort against St. Mary's, which was refreshing, as I was starting to question their grit. Which, for those who remember, and were early listeners of the podcast, shout out to you, that's what I loved about the BYU football team. They were gritty. And here in this basketball game against St. Mary's, well, they overcame 17 turnovers to keep the game close and showed that they can scrap and claw their way through a game just like their football counterparts. And just like Cincinnati does. And Cincinnati, we could say that about their football team too. You know, Shout out again those people who were listening from the beginning. I've always loved Cincinnati's football team. But yes, just like Cincinnati basketball does too. BYU and Cincinnati are pretty similar teams. David DeJulius for Cincinnati is still just crushing it. I will say, though, this loss to Temple over the weekend to me makes no sense. It's a painful one, and it does hurt their tournament chances. They'll really need to close out the season strong in order to make mayhem happen in March Madness. But I get the feeling David DeJulius will get them there. I mean, you saw in our last episode how many eye-opening statistics I dropped about him. It was like a kid with an airsoft gun in an open field and a bunch of targets set up. Just spraying out statistics. This many points. This many assists. This many steals. This many rebounds. This many second chance points. This percent from three. I could go on, but I'm going to stop. I just really have to say, I think David DeJulius will get Cincinnati into the tournament. And it'll be a crying shame if that doesn't happen. And TCU, you know, I see some I see some similarities with Cincinnati and BYU for them, too. You know, they're an interesting team. Can't forget about them. Last episode, I told you they looked solid and poised at a tournament run. This weekend would indicate that. They hung around with Baylor, even though it was a shorthanded Baylor. But that's still impressive. Especially the way Baylor's standout freshman Jeremy Sochan was playing. TCU is 17-8, and a pretty respectable record, and with a couple more, just a couple more wins in the Big 12 Conference, 
they will easily make it into the NCAA tournament. Now let's talk about some of the more middling teams, Kansas State, Oklahoma, and Oklahoma State. Well, they're like the three musketeers, or maybe the three stooges. That's, that's probably better. They're all hovering around 500, are in the bottom bit of the Big 12 rankings, and really can't seem to get their offensive or defensive identities together. But if I had to choose one of these three teams to make a little run and sneak into the NCAA tournament, I think it's Kansas State or West Virginia. West Virginia has a similar record to Kansas State, Oklahoma, and Oklahoma State, but I like their DNA more as a team. Like I said, they played Kansas pretty close for the whole game. It was just, they were, they had no answer ultimately for Ochai which is, you know, kind of a, a pattern for most teams. But I, I think it's either going to be West Virginia or Kansas State making a little run to get into the NCAA tournament. But no, I did not include West Virginia in that list because you can't really have a fourth musketeer because that doesn't make any sense. There's only three musketeers. I'm I'm not going to I don't need to provide the whole backstory. It's just there's three musketeers. Let's leave it at that. But I do have to say one more thing. I would be remiss if I didn't mention that just 2 days ago, Oklahoma State took Baylor right down to the wire. So case in point, this is all madness, okay? Madness. And as we approach March, it's only going to get worse. (laughs) Or better. That's how I like to look at it. But Oklahoma State, despite being in the list of three musketeers, well, they have a shot at an outside chance at making the tournament too. So just don't shut the door on anything is the real message here. And last but not least, let's look at UCF. They looked like a tourney team last time I checked, but then they dropped two straight. What's that all about? But then they bounced back. And how's that for a buzzer beater? Pay attention to that, guys. This is buzzer beater season. And the teams that start getting buzzer beaters now will likely get them in March. Lucky or not. That's just how it works. A crazy buzzer beater three against East Carolina. And UCF is still in the NCAA tournament conversation. Now sitting at 16-9. and They spread the floor well and could be good for a little run to the Sweet 16 in March Madness. I'm calling it now. So, to recap, folks, college basketball, which is a madhouse that will only get madder as we approach March, is exciting as heck. So get ready for more basketball coverage in the coming weeks. We have four to five games left for most of these teams. Big 12 tournament incoming. And remember, this is about to get crazy. So remember, be sure to share the episode with a fellow Big 12 baller. Stay tuned for more shenanigans. And thanks for listening as we unpack all of the college basketball madness happening in the Big 12. Have a great rest of your week, and I'll see ya, or I guess catch ya, at the next episode. Which, of course, is a, a great song by Dr. Dre. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.